Hi, I'm Hannah, team manager with the Orange Arrow Players Association, a nonprofit organization whose mission is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the field. Please consider making a play by giving, hosting a friend raiser, subscribing to our podcast and YouTube channel, and staying connected on social media at Orange Arrow PA. Visit orangearrow.org for more information. Thank you for listening. Take aim. Welcome to Inside the Play Call with Orange Arrow, and I'm your host, Sean Robinson. And today, we have a very, very, very special guest. Some call him Andrew, some call him Andy, but I promise if you call him, he will respond. My (laughs) guy, Andrew Stocky. Welcome to the pod. How are you? I'm doing great, Sean. It's so good to see you. I get three varies. Wow. I I must be important. Yeah, No, no, totally. Most guests only get like two and a half. (laughs) Like almost like wow. two possible like playing space, but you get we got three books there, so you got, you got, you got old, that means I'm old now. That's what you're saying. I'm an old person now. <laughs> <I'm> Show <showing> respect. <laughs> Show <you>. respect. <laughs> also, it's actually pretty cool that someone of a role reversal. So growing up, you know, as a young lad at Pitt Plant, being a student athlete, you know, used to interview me, support it over the years. This is the first time I actually get a chance to be on the other side of the mic. Well, here's the difference. You had things you were doing, you were accomplishing. I've got nothing to share. It's going to be a really boring interview. <laughs> no, no, <I'm> kidding. <laughs> That's hilarious. All right, so, so let's get into it. So let's warm up a little bit. Okay. Got a couple sidewalk right. questions for you. Okay. So okay. you are competing in the Olympics. You can compete in any sport. Which sport would you compete in? I would say figure skating. Uh, I skate a lot during my free time here. It's my winter exercise. I started back up about uh, five, six years ago, and I absolutely love it. I go down to the rink here and skate. In fact, I just did it today. Not that I can do double axles, but I would like to try figure skating. How about that? How about that? So, you know, so you're in Pittsburgh. I'm in South Florida. I'm not sure if I had an opportunity to figure skate here. Uh, but but, but I, that's something I wanted to learn, though. I'm a so-so roller, roller skater. I haven't skated in a while, tried attempted in a while, but I've never attempted to uh, figure skate. So... Maybe one time when I come back in the winter after COVID, mm-hmm. you have to take me out there and give me a lesson or two. I would love to. I think you you do you do it. You get hooked on it, and you find a place in South Florida to skate someplace. Awesome, awesome, awesome. <laughs> All right, next one. You had yeah. your choice: live in a city where the temperature never falls below hundred degrees, or live in a city where it only snows. Hundred degrees only snows. 100 degrees. I mean, I like winter sports, but let's be real. I hate shoveling. I hate the cold. I hate having to wash my car every, every two days. So definitely turn on the heat for me. There it is. 100 degrees. Last one. Okay. Favorite TV show of all time? All time. All time. That's hard. Oh, goodness. That's What's my favorite TV show of all time? All I need is one. Um, okay. All right. I, you know what? I love Mad About You. I don't know if you remember that show from the 90s. Yeah. I love it because it's about a couple and they're trying to navigate the whole marriage thing. And it's kind of funny. I mean, I, I just think it's a funny, interesting show. It's not realistic in terms of like you know, the nice condo in the middle of the city, but I used to watch that show all the time. So I would probably say Mad About You. Mad About You. I like that selection. Mad About You. Not mad About okay. You. So, so take us back. Talk about your childhood, growing up. You are originally from Chicago. Is that correct? I was born in Chicago uh, way back in 1968, so I'm old. Um, you don't look it. You don't look <laughs> well, it. Thank you, still, you. You still look the same as if when I was a freshman in college. <laughs> I'm getting older, well, you're getting younger. 
Oh, thank you. You're very kind. No, I was born in Chicago, uh, and uh, my father worked for the Internal Revenue Service, so we moved around a lot when I was a kid. I lived in, before I was nine, I lived in Chicago, Los Angeles, Kansas City, Washington, D.C., before my parents finally settled down in Connecticut, so my, myself and my brother could have a, a more normal childhood. And so um, I grew up in a small town in Connecticut uh, called Simsbury, Connecticut, which I'm sure you've never heard of, and most people haven't. Um, but that's where I did most of my growing up. So I, I guess I'm a New Englander just by you know where I've lived and where I'm from. Uh, and so I, I grew up there, uh, really enjoyed the experience between about two hours from Boston, two hours from New York. That's all I was going to ask. Okay, so how far are you yeah. from Bristol? Bristol was 30 minutes. Oh, it's uh, really close, okay. Yeah, really, that's where I interned in college. Uh, literally, it was so close to my house. I went and interned out there and, uh, you know, at Bristol ESPN. Connecticut. At ESPN. I guess okay. the, yeah, I, I did a couple of internships there when I was in college. I went to, went to Ohio University. For college yes. and I Athens. Yeah, yeah, Athens. Yeah. Now I won't bring up any bad memories of Ohio U because I know Pitt fans don't want to hear about that. Was, <laughs> well, yeah. well, well, when I played, we got the W, yeah. but yeah, they did break our heart. But yeah. I was actually recruited by Ohio U coming out of high school. I Get was always a Wildcat. I was always oh my a goodness. Wildcat. I, I'll tell you, you know, the program has been through a lot of tough times. And I think when they were recruiting you with some difficult times and they really needed your help. And we wish you'd gone down there. Um, but, uh, you know, they they got a whole lot better. And they uh, they beat Pitt one year when Pitt went down to play him. So that was a, a big moment for me. Um, but, but anyway. Uh, and so, so, and so I'm actually yeah. standing there at Ohio U. So somebody yeah. that we we know who's like a brother to me. So Tory Cox, you know, yes. former yes. teammate. His yep. son just accepted a scholarship to play at Ohio U. Did he? Yeah. So he's That's playing. That's fantastic. He's playing corner in high school. I'm not sure if he's playing corner or safety. I don't know how okay. you, but uh, we got to make that connection because you know we, we need to make sure oh. we have that support system around him. He's gonna have a great time. Uh, Frank Solich is the head coach. Has done a really wonderful job. It's like a you know it's a great place to go to college because it feels like a new a small New England school. You have like eighteen thousand kids, and there are a lot of Pittsburgh kids that go to Ohio U. I'm not really sure why. I, mean, I didn't know that. Well. Okay. Yeah, there are a lot of Pittsburgh kids. Uh, and a lot of people I meet who go to Ohio U found out I went to school there and reached out to me once they graduate or they're, they're nearing graduation. Um, but anyway, so I went to school there to study. Yeah, it's fine. I want to study the business side of television, you know, marketing, sales, programming. That's kind of what I wanted to do. I didn't plan on being on television at all. That was never my, my goal. Uh, and it's funny, while I was in school, there's, um, there's no like sales clubs or you know, marketing clubs or things like that. So we had a campus TV station, campus radio station. So I learned a little bit about television and radio and how to do it. And as I continued doing it, I mean, I enjoyed it, but I just, you know, I, did, I didn't have the, I don't think I had the anchor hair, the anchor look. <laughs> I, didn't think, I didn't think it was gonna be something I would do with my career. So uh, I, I had my first, uh, after I graduated, I worked at ESPN briefly on Sports Center, waiting for a job to open in the sales division, nothing opened up. And then I went back to Chicago Got worked with uh, something called Sports Channel at the time. We carried the Bulls games, the White Sox games. Um, that was the best part about that job was the fact that I had floor seats for the Bulls uh, wow. during Jordan's first title run. I was yeah, that ask was the time frame. Like early Jordan. What, what time frame is this? 1990. This is like the first of the six championships. This is after the, the Pistons won in '89, and the Bulls finally, I think it was '91, finally won the title. Um, so it was kind of cool watching Michael Jordan up close. That was fun. That is really um, cool. I actually have a George story I want to share with you. So go, I was a huge George friend, fan growing up. And uh -huh. growing up in Warren, Ohio, about 45 minutes from Cleveland, my mom mm -hmm. was so kind to take me to the one of their games. It was when they were okay. – it was the playoff game when they were playing the Cavs 
when he made iconic shot over crazy. Oh, against crazy Elo, like, yeah, yeah. He was like floating for like five seconds around the free throw line. <laughs> so, so it, it, it gets better. So we were there right mm -hmm. before that shot. There was a timeout call, and so okay. my mom, which is my mom and I, she wanted to beat the traffic. So she said we should leave. So we actually left during the timeout, <laughs> and then it was what? wasn't until until we heard fans running outside screaming the Bulls won. And I'm like, what you mean they won? So my aunt was living in Cleveland at the time. We went there and actually saw the replay on television, even though I was actually at the game. Incredible. Thanks, mom. Shout out to mom. Yeah, you know, we, I, we love our mothers, but sometimes, <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> right, right. What, what a nice thing. But now I might be the only person who has that story, my mom and I. So that's something I can share now. That's true. And you, right. you sold the ticket, I'm assuming, right? You have the ticket stuff? Because they used to hand out tickets way back when. I know. I don't. Though. I wish. That, that, oh. that would have been, oh. been clutch. That would have been clutch. Right. Yeah. You can say you were in the building. You were at least in the exactly. building. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, so, so 90s, Bulls, Chicago. Yeah. So I was there for about, you know, about six months. I, I found that I really... It wasn't. I wasn't passionate about about sales and the business side. It just really wasn't. And um, you know, you kind of get to a point in your life. At some point, you're like, you know, what is it I want to do? And I said, you know what? I I enjoyed television because it was about storytelling. It was about uh, creating something every single day from nothing. Uh, you know, and it, it. I love sports, but I just I just thought the whole process of broadcast news was interesting. So I had some of my tapes in college. Uh, I, I did get a job offer before I got my first on air job. I worked in uh, D.C for what was at that time Fox News. Now, Fox News in 1991 was not the Fox News we know today. It was right. a network trying to get its affiliates to start doing local news. Uh, there was no you know, political slant back then. It was just, it was literally like 10 of us in a room trying to get people to, you know, stations to do news and things like that. So I, I did that for about three months and then I got a job offer in Hartford, Connecticut, uh, an on-air job. And this is so the fall of, I guess fall of 91, yeah, or winter of 91. And so, um, you know, I got, I got the job offer. Uh, it's a tape I'd sent out to other places and somehow they got it. So it's, here's a funny story. So I get up there and, uh, you know, I had a chance to talk to my news director on my first day. I said, thank you so much. This is really a big honor for me. I'm very excited to be working where I grew up. But why did you hire me? I mean, I'm by far, I had the least experience. Probably was the youngest person. I, mean, I think I was 22, maybe. Uh, I'm like, why me? And she said two things. Number one, we were looking for somebody who was from the area, who knew Connecticut sports on the professional college and high school level. And second of all, this is 1991, remember, you don't have a mustache. Hmm. Wow. Back then, remember everybody tried to look like Tom Selleck or, you know, everybody yeah. had a mustache or facial hair? I, I didn't. So um, I know that sounds kind of uh, ridiculous for hiring somebody, but I think that, you know, it's kind of like, let's look at somebody who doesn't look like everybody else. So uh, I've never wow. had a mustache. You still yeah. have a mustache. Do you ever have a mustache or a beard? I, I had a goatee back in 01 for like three weeks. And okay. I loved it. And my news director said, nah, no. I said, okay. So, yeah. uh, so yeah. this way I've always looked. But that was that was my first foray into television. So I I worked in Hartford. I worked in Mobile, Alabama after that for about two years. And I came here in 1995. How about that? How about that? Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so, so you talked about Hartford. Now, Patriots yeah. fan? Growing up? No, no, honestly, I, I honestly, I've, I've always loved the Bears. I was a big bear. I was, I was more of a Walter Payton fan. Walter Payton. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I so, you, sweet, you yeah, know, sweet, sweet, wait, sweet, sweetness, sweetness. Sweetness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, Walter Payton. And, and of course, I grew up during the 85 Bears, that whole championship season. Oh, uh, now, do you remember the uh, the song? Oh, the Super Bowl Shuffle? Shuffle? Yeah. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm not going to sing it, but I, I remember. Come on. We are the best. Yeah. <laughs> Shuffling through. I no, I, I remember the song. Bad, bad song, but it was just kind of cool. That was a fun team. That was a fun no, yes, football. Yes, yes, it was. Yes, it was. My uncle actually played college ball with Richard Dent at Tennessee State. Oh, get out of here. Wow. Yeah, Richard Dent. I remember. I mean, Willie Galt. I mean, they mm -hmm. had some talented characters on, on that team. The Fridge. Oh, the Fridge. The Fridge. Samurai Mike. Mike, Mike Singletary. Right. You know, right. they had th that team, honestly, the fact they won just one Super Bowl is really sad. I mean, that was yeah. a team that was as talented as any I've ever seen. I mean, defensively, you know, people are like, what's the greatest defensive team of all time? I mean, and people are going to say the 76 Steelers because of what they accomplished. They had six, six shutouts that year. But I've never seen a team do what the 85 Bears did, where they would basically dominate the game literally from the very beginning. Like, you knew the other team had no chance. Yeah, there was did. never an instance where you thought, yeah, they were that good. And they should have probably gone unbeaten, too. That was uh, – was Buddy Ryan the defense coordinator? Buddy Ryan, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, they were incredible. Hey, hey. I remember that 85 team. I was young, but, but I remember are, that team. Well, here we are 35 years later. We still talk about them. Yeah. That's I mean, how great yeah. they were. That's how great they were. Well, that Ravens team was pretty strong, too. The one with uh, with Ray and Ed. I forgot which year, but when they, they were 2000 team. The 2000 team. So that was, you know, my, my three favorite defenses are the 76 Steelers, the 85 Bears, and the 2000 Ravens. And uh, you know, the only difference between the three, honestly, is the fact that the 76 Steelers didn't win the Super Bowl. The other two did. Okay. You know? and so that was the only difference. Uh, but, I mean, those were three really amazing defenses. And I think if you're, if you're a football fan, you know, go back and go to YouTube. Watch the highlights. It's just amazing. Rachel, right now, the three. Who are you taking? I'm going to go 85 Bears one, 76 Steelers two, 2000 Ravens three. Okay. All I, right. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people in Pittsburgh are going to be happy with that, but, you know, that's, <laughs> that, I, I got to be honest with you, the 85 Bears were just, that was an incredible team. I mean, I, I've never, I've never seen a team like that before since. Yeah. And so Pittsburgh fans might not be too harsh because you did put them above the Ravens. So, so you got that there. And then also you got Dicka with the Pittsburgh tie. So maybe they'll give you a pass for that one. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I think, you know, it's funny <laughs> when you're in this town, you know, and the Steelers, believe me, I mean, great franchise, great organization, uh, you know, dominant team, six Super Bowls. I mean, there's, but, you know, like, think, for instance, the 2000 Ravens did something that the 76 Steelers didn't do. I mean, they, they basically outscored their offense for a month. Oh, oh, oh yeah, that is right. That's incredible. Month, about, yeah. yeah. I mean, the 76 Steelers pitched six shutouts that year. But this, the, the 2000 Ravens, basically, you know, they, they played, I think it was like four games that month. They won three of them. And the deep offense didn't score a touchdown. Wow. So was, yeah. Yeah, that's impressive. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's legendary stuff right there. So so Pittsburgh in 95. Yeah, I, I came here. Um, you know, I, I knew about Pittsburgh. I think what everybody who's not from Pittsburgh back then knew about Pittsburgh. It's a town where... It's a steel town, although the steel industry by then had pretty much, you know, died for the most part. There was very little still of what was around the 60s and 70s. Um, I think also the, the football team, everybody knew about the Steelers. Right. Uh, the Penguins at that point had won two Stanley Cups. Um, and so I came here thinking I'd be here for maybe a couple of years because I wanted to work in Chicago or Boston or New York. I, I wanted to be in those cities. We had four teams, big time. I knew I was good enough to take that step. And I said, you know, that's what I want to do. And it's one of those things where the more time you spend in a place and the more you get to know a place, you, you learn things about it that are really 
interesting that connect to you that that you really feel a, a bond with um i grew up in a small town so in many ways pittsburgh was exactly uh where i grew up you know um and at the time this city was going through a real beginning of a transformation i mean three were stadium was still up at this time okay so from the time i got there you know Civic, uh, the Three River Stadium was employed. They built the two new stadiums. Uh, there was more there's development. There's um, a growth of communities and neighborhoods. Pittsburgh was changing, you know, in a way that made a much more desirable city to live in if you're a young person. I mean, I was 27 when I got here, you know. So what's going to keep a 27-year-old in Pittsburgh? Uh, new things. And uh, so that's one of the reasons I stuck around. I, I also loved the job. I really loved what I was doing. And you know, I, I was doing weekends one month, one year, and the next year all of a sudden I'm doing all the weekday shows. <laughs> so <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. You brought up three rivers. I'm actually part of the group that actually had the opportunity to play in all three stadiums. So Opus Stadium, three rivers, okay. right, and then Heinz Field for my last two years. So which ones you like the best? You know what? I would say playing Heinz Field. But for the atmosphere, I would say the old Pitt Stadium. I mean, I, I was a young guy because I, I love the – it felt – I mean, it's hard to, to create that college feel for Pitt. Mm. You know, right there you see the Pittsburgh, still a country. You got the right. – you, know, you got the Pirates. You got the Penguins. But we felt like we, have, we had our own community right there on campus. Students would just walk out the dorms um, yeah. right down into it. So I remember the, the, last, the last game at Pitt Stadium was against Notre Dame, which I'm sure you were, you were, you were there. Oh. And uh, it, it was just incredible. It was. It was, you know, honestly, I understood why. I understood, I think I understood. I don't know about you. I understood why they moved. But, you know, there was something missing because that atmosphere, that stadium, that walk up the hill. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was unique. And it was, it was, it was, a, I know they didn't pack the place. I mean, I know that. I think you know that too. But right. that was never the, that's not what made it so special. People knew it was there and people would go. When they wanted to go and they would support when they wanted to support yeah that's true and so so what do you share with young people who are looking to get in your your industry as far as things they should work on uh th things they should be you know as, as it relates to building their craft what advice do you have for young people that are looking to get into your industry well i tell them first of all i know we're in a very unusual time uh, but in many ways this is a great opportunity uh you know this is a time when people are communicating people are talking People are doing journalism every single day, just in a very different way. I always say, look, the first thing you need to do is be able to write and write effectively. You know, you, your job is to take, as a, as, a, as a television reporter, for instance, take a lot of information and condense it down to a minute, 30, a minute, 45, whatever. You know, how do you take a story, find the most important elements? And write effectively. Uh, learning how to communicate effectively too. Uh, you know, on television, it, it's not so much you trying to impersonate somebody because you know a lot of young people who do this. I mean, you remember as an intern, it was kind of like, you know, I, there's a guy I want to follow. I want to have his style or her style. Right. And it's like, right. you need to find out who you are and be who you are uh, because whoever you are on television is who you're going to be in public, how people, what people will expect of you. So it, it took me, it took me a while to figure out who I was, but I know who I am now. And this is me. And hopefully the person you see sitting here today is the same person you see on television. That's, that's my goal. So those are the two things. And I think the other thing is I, I would not worry about, like, I want to be a sportscaster, so I have to get a sports job. I, have to, I want to be a t news anchor, so I have to get an anchor job. That'd be nice and all. But, you know, if you open your 
your mind up to other opportunities within this business. You will be amazed at what's out there. I mean, I, I started out as a sportscaster because uh, I knew sports. I luckily got a sports job. But I, as you know, I mean, I left sports back in 06 for 10, almost nothing. Was it five years? Five years to, to do news because I began to find an interest in news. Now I do both. And I get to do, you know, cover the, the, the campaigns this year. Uh, I was covering, you know, the, the, the protests and the racial awakening. I'm covering the sports scene, business news. Um, it's, it's great because I get to do a little bit of everything. And, I, and now uh, it, it's fun because, you know, so many, so many things are kind of colliding at once now. We're going from, you know, a presidential election is now over, as far as we know. From what I'm reporting, yeah. Um, also, you know, we're going through an, a time of, of racial, I guess awakening is the word, but also racial awareness. I think there's a conversation going on. You know, there's a actual effort to let, let's see what we can do to try and, you know, find this common ground now that it seems everybody understands there's a problem, you know, and there's been yeah. a problem for a long time. So yeah, one thing I'll... Yeah, I'll bore you with one thing real quick. We, we do something at Channel 4 called WTA Listens. I've been doing a lot of the stories on since June. And what we decided to do was, you know what? It's time for Black Pittsburgh to tell a story. So what we do is we, we approach different, uh, you know, Black or African-American Pittsburghers in various life, walks of life. Some are big ways, successful financial people. Some are just your everyday people. And it, we're, t- we're saying, well, tell us your story. Tell us what's going on. Tell us what you think, what you feel, what you see. And it has been uh, eye-opening, I think, for our audience. It's been eye-opening for me. You know, you learn about aspects of Black life. You thought you knew everything? No. So in many ways, it's been fun to do those stories and meet these people and hear these stories and share them with our audience. And that's part of the fun of what I do. I mean, I, look, I love sports. I, I love the Steelers and Penguins and Pirates and all that. But you know what? I, I know when I do one of those WTA listen stories, it's ha- it has an impact. Because it's something that people haven't heard. We don't edit. We don't put a, you know, say you can't say this, you can't say that. We're like, tell us your story and just let it go. I like it. I like it. I have seen that. So I applaud for the work you all have been doing and leading that efforts. And I mean, it's really about uh, building cross-cross relationships and really starting mm-hmm. to bring people together, find out we're actually more alike than we are different and being intentional about, about doing so. So I heard you correctly. So improve writing skills, communication yep. skills, and be open, and be open. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what, look, also, one last thing, listen, I think you, you probably remember from the time you spent with me, it, yes, you have questions, and you come into anything with a group of questions, but if you're listening to the person, there'll be an angle or something you didn't think about. It's like, well, wait a minute, let, let's talk about that. Let, because some of my best stories I've ever done have been from conversations where I went with basically three questions, and then you start talking. And then you're listening and you're talking, you're listening. And all of a sudden it goes in a completely different direction. And that's what I think makes a really good journalist being able that's to good, listen. Right. That's great advice. That's great advice. And so, so how do you deal with, and, and with the time frame you got comfortable where people started to recognize you and come up to you in the streets, in the streets of Pittsburgh, because I mean, people know <laughs> who you are. So being on TV and people feel like they know you, like talk mm-hmm. about, like that, that side of things and that adjustment? Well, you know, it's funny. When I first started, I mean, it was obvious I was young, you know, and people were, I, those who recognized me were like, is this guy really old enough to be doing this? Because this is Pittsburgh. You have this history of great sports anchors and reporters and, you know, legendary voices and all of a sudden there's me. 
Um, in fact, I remember the first, there was a poll, the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette of like sports media personalities. I think I was like second to the bottom. This was like 1995, 96. So I'm just like, great. Okay, that's where I'm starting from. Uh, you know, I think people come up to me and it's not so much they, they recognize me, but they also say, I like what you do. That's the greatest compliment. I mean, whether it's covering high school sports, like people can tell I care about kids. They can tell that I'm not sitting there giving my opinion. I'm sharing information. And I think that's what really makes me happy when people say that. Yeah, people come to me. It's not like all the time where I'm stopped and, you know, because this is Pittsburgh, because you're, you're just part of their family. So they see you yeah. every day. But, you know, it's the, the fame part of it, honestly, as time goes on, uh, it kind of gets lost on me because I don't really feel famous. I don't feel like, you know, I, I feel like when I'm in the studio doing what I do every day and I'm on the air, what I do the five o'clock news, I do sports at 6 11. I don't think about the number of people that are watching. I, I really don't. So when people actually come up to me and recognize me, I'm sometimes kind of surprised. Wow. How sense. about that? Yeah, I just, it just doesn't, I think more people, when they see you in unfamiliar places, like when I'm skating and people recognize me, it's like, you skate? You know? Right, right, um, right, right, right. <laughs> right. I thought you wanted to be poor, right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or, or when, you, <laughs> <laughs> you know, when they see you in an unusual place. But no, I, I mean, I, I wish I could tell you like, you know, I have legions of followers, and I sign autographs and I do all that. But no, honestly, I think because when I'm off the air, I, I dress very casually, I'm a jeans guy. T-shirt guy, wear this. You know, I'm not. I'm not in a coat and tie. And I think when you're not in a coat and tie, you know, people just don't, you know, make that connection. I think it's part of it. Yeah. And so, so it looks like it's, it's like a long sleeve polo you have on. It looks like something that you could wear to golf. So talk about golf. <laughs> love for golf. When did you pick up golf? That was that was pretty smooth. That was a nice transition. <laughs> I, I, I started playing golf in Alabama. Um, down there at the time, this is the early '90s. They started uh, building golf courses like, like they were going out of style. I mean, it was crazy. They just built golf courses. And as a sports caster, you really needed to play golf because that's how you met people. I mean, in Alabama, and there's no pro sports there. So Alabama and Auburn might as well be professional sports. Right. Might as well. Yeah. So all the alumni, all the coaches, they are out there on the golf course. And if you don't at least play the game, you're going to miss out on a whole lot. So that's how I got started. Um, I got a little crazy about golf, like way crazy, probably like in the early 2000s, uh, because I was playing all the time with my friends or, or, or my wife at the time. And I was out. I was playing 60 rounds a year. I was that serious. Wow. You know, yeah. I had the golf closet, you know, the different shoes, the pants, the shirts. I mean, I was a golf maniac. How about and, that? Yeah. I'm on my way you, there. <laughs> you see your plan. Yes, I'm on my way. Not quite maniac, but hmm? you, you catch about another year. <laughs> <I'm not> here. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the thing. As you get older, you begin to realize, you know what? I'm not going to be on the pro tour. I need to stop acting like I'm going to be a professional. I play some of my best golf now because I don't play as much. I play maybe, you know, this during this COVID thing, probably maybe five or six rounds tops. I just don't Seriously? play that much anymore. Wow. Well, because it takes so long to play. I mean, here's the problem. I dare you to tell me there's a round of golf played in less than four hours in this country. Anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. It yeah it's tough. It's tough. Yeah. You know what? I would say this. Okay. During this time of COVID, having separate uh, carts, having four carts to a group, that did yes. speed up the game a little bit. So I agree. We still agree. have to do that here in South Florida. So uh, so it's still it's probably three hours and 58 minutes, but <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> but we may be under four, not quite sure. <laughs> well, it's, I, listen, I love the game. I love playing, but it's not something that uh, I don't feel the passion I used to. 
because there's other things I've done in my life. I like to skating is something I like to do. I, I've gotten to bicycling. You know, I finally, I finally got a bike two months into this thing uh, and uh, started biking. You know, I used to run. Um, I found there were other things to do other than play golf all the time. But, you know, at the same time, golf is a sport you can play for the rest of your life. And right. you can't do that with anything else. So, you know, maybe I'll, maybe I'll get back to at least maybe 30 rounds a year at some point. Yeah, no, that'd be great. And it, it's interesting. So my my granddad, who is actually from Alabama, he introduced okay. me to the game, and I, I truly enjoy it. And I'm still blown away how here in South Florida I can play all year round. Like I'm just yeah. December, I played this past Sunday. It was 81 degrees. Like so, so it's incredible. So so it seems Thanks, like two yes. Thank you for reminding me. Yeah, 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 definitely. Got you. Got you. <laughs> you can rub that in. <laughs> so there's two things we have to do. We have to uh -huh. go. Ice skating in the winter, yes. and then in the summer we got to go golfing. Well, I think golf we can make happen because I'm sure the next time you come up this way, it'll be warm. Right, 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 right. So <laughs> it'll be in that order. It'll go golf, and then we go skating. There we go. There we go. But I'm glad you're awesome. playing. I'm glad you enjoy it because it's it's a lot. It is a fun game. It is a fun fun game. And to your point earlier, it's actually good for networking and building relationships. I mean, it, it, it has helped me a lot to meet new people being new to this area, be able to, to at least attempt to play, play, play decently, you know, at the game of golf. And uh, I've been able to build relationships and, and that's kind of my part of my community down here. And that's how you build, you know, you get to really know people and people are themselves in the golf course. You learn who a person is through golf, which sounds kind of cliche, but it's true. I mean, how a person reacts to things, how they act. Right. Um, you can hear Gary on conversations. You can get paired up with somebody, just paired up with somebody you've never met. And by the time you're done playing 18, you will know more about them than maybe some of your, of your friends. That's true. That's true. Yep. Yeah. I got to make sure I play this. We play this for my wife. So I got to keep finding ways to keep reinforcing. Yeah, baby, you got to keep giving me the green light to get out here and play. So, so wait, <laughs> she's like, she it's the most glory game. I can't get her to go out there with me. No? I can't do it. I can't do it. <sighs> I used to play Really, I mean, I played with my wife forever, and was that's one of the reasons I played sixty rounds a year because every weekend it's like uh, she was she would book the, the tee times, you know, take care of everything. I would just have to drive the course and play. Wow! And it was wow. always fun because we had something to do together outdoors for four hours every week. Exactly. That's what I'm trying to sell her on that. I'm trying to sell her on that again. I'm gonna replay this for her. I gotta keep okay. trying to keep sawing that wood. Keep sawing that wood. That's what Coach Please, used I mean, to say. You know, there's no better way to spend time with your man than on a golf course. There it is. And I mean that. <laughs> There's no better way. <laughs> there it is. And so, so, so as we wrap up, so yeah. the mission of Orange Arrow Players Association is to coach student athletes to aim for success off the mm -hmm. field, off the track, out of the pool, wherever mm -hmm. the playing arena may be. You've been around sports your entire life. You've seen a lot of come and go. Why is it important for a student athlete to be successful outside of their sport? Because sports is a very small part of your life. And I, I think you know this. You know, you, I'm, sure, I'm sure you certainly do. It's about what you do with the rest of your life. Sports will build character. You'll build friendships. You will learn lessons. You'll deal with adversity. And all those things are important. But those lessons are being taught to you through sports because you're going to need them the rest of your life. There's a reason why people who play sports tend to be more successful in their careers after sports, you know, because they've, they've faced the challenge. They've gone against the odds. They've been told no. You know, so it's important for you to be a very good athlete. Yes, a very good student athlete. But it's the lessons you take from your days on the field and what you do with them beyond the field. And I've seen a lot of professional athletes and college athletes like yourself who have transitioned into the world 
and found a calling that perhaps they didn't, didn't expect or didn't know. And they, they leaned back on their experiences as athletes to help get them through the tough times in the beginnings of their careers. And that way they're successful down the road. So, you know, I think whether you're, a, even if you're a high school athlete, I think we need to also say high school athletes to work. It's not just a pro or a college. If you're in high school, you face all the same challenges that pro and college athletes do. You do, you know, they're just, it's a smaller venue. You know, there may not be a, a national championship on the line or a Super Bowl rate, but you know what, if you're playing for the, uh, the city championship or the Whippeal title, that's a pretty big deal. And if you win that, you could say, you know what, I learned how to start from square one with a group of people and we accomplished a mission and we're champions. Now I can do take that lesson and use it in my life beyond sports. Awesome, wonderful. Andrew, thank you for, you for your time. Time is our most valuable asset. I appreciate <laughs> you carving out time to share with us your wisdom. And again, I look forward to connecting with you back in Pittsburgh, first for golf, and then I'll come back <laughs> a few months later and then we'll, we'll uh, ice skate. Appreciate well, Sean, I'm very proud. I'm very proud of you and what you've accomplished. I mean, you know, getting to know you as a student athlete, as a young person and seeing what you've done and what you've become. Uh, you know, I don't have kids, but I always feel like the young people I cover are my children because I get to see them grow and mature and become uh, even beyond their wildest expectations. And there are a lot of young men you played with that, you know, I, I remember covering who are now uh, leaders in their communities, in their fields. Um, it's, it's really remarkable. And I just want to say congratulations to you. And, uh, and believe me, if people watch you and follow your lessons, uh, I think it's all they really need to know to be successful. My God, I appreciate you, man. I'll pay, I'll pay, I'll pay you for that kind word. <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a freebie. That's a freebie. Oh, there it is. Man. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Thank you. Appreciate you, boss. Take care. You too, Sean.